There is so much conjecture about this topic of in our research series. I've loved this series just to kind of give the declarations of where we stand as a church on certain issues. And this one is absolutely no exception in the sense that there is conjecture, there is uh, a wide variety of beliefs, a wide variety of, of doctrines that split and go different directions. So I, I'm not going to get in, obviously it's one message. I'm given one message on the end times. How do you like sum up the whole book of Revelation uh, in, in one message, but I'm going to try to do it uh, just by way of, of giving declarations of kind of where I stand on these issues. But I'll say this, if I'm not giving a declaration on it, then that means that I'm not what? Huh? I'm not, I missed that one. Not necessarily, exactly. I'm not necessarily for it or I'm undecided. So you're you're exactly right. So if I'm not stating it expressly in this message, then there's a reason. I I feel like maybe uh, I could go either way on it, really, um, in in that. So uh, I'm going to speak where the scripture speaks. And, and give my declarations on what I think we can take to the bank, if you will, on, on what I think it's abundantly clear. And that being said, there are still really good Christian, godly people who will uh, strongly disagree with what I'm going to preach and say today, and that's okay. We, we believe uh, the end of the story the same, that Jesus wins, okay? And so the in-between, I'm not going to die on that hill. And I don't think you should die on that hill either. If you have family that, that sees it a different way, it's okay, all right? It's, it's okay. God's family, there is plenty enough room at the table, understood? And I think that when, when we uh, get to heaven, so to speak, uh, there's going to be a lot of things that we probably didn't have uh, right or have the way that we think it is right now. Why? Because our understanding is, is limited, Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. Yes, we can go to Scripture with confidence. But that does not mean that we will come out uh, the same, exactly the same as everybody else. um, Because many things exist in this world today that will take us different directions, that will change our approach. And, And some of us can look at the verse and come out two different ways on the end. Now, we have to be careful because Scripture isn't of private interpretation. We're We're trying to figure out what God is trying to what? tell us, not what I think the Bible says, right? Uh, so prayerfully, uh, we're approaching the text, um, you know, the way that we should, humbly, uh, confessing our sin, our faults, in that sense that we have that open relationship, that main line to the Lord, so that we know that uh, there's nothing between us or that we're not uh, interpreting the Bible in light of our hurts. Uh, I, I mean, How many have done that in the past where maybe you've come through something in life and you're just wearing that on your shoulder? And it seems like everywhere you turn, everywhere you read, everywhere you look, there it is. You know, that doesn't mean that that's the Bible. That's that's you and that's your heart. Right. Um, So anyway, I think that's enough uh, to preface by saying, here's the the message today on the end times research series message research series message on end time prophecy and where i stand we touched on this a little bit and you'll see the overlap with last week's message on hell uh i have a few things i'm going to say uh one is an apology that it's not uploaded on the website because we had a malfunction uh with our our system got getting unplugged um so it did not publish to to the podcast so i'm sorry about that um and i say all that to say 
Today I was having a substantial difficulty with the volume up here with my guitar, so I have some good news. Uh, I have a church planner friend that I am uh, kind of like uh, linking up with, in, so to speak, and, and uh, we're encouraging one another in, in that way, and they have an abundance of sound equipment. Like, uh, he said to me this week that he has four different sound systems, uh, all of which are better than ours. <laughs> so... Uh, I said, uh, hey man, share the wealth, brother. Uh, so while we, um, are, are kind of doing what we can do here, uh, he's gonna lend us all that equipment for one year, uh, to give us some time for us to maybe save up for our own sound system. Sound, sound equipment is expensive, uh, instruments are expensive, and, uh, it's hard for us to just take that plunge when, uh, you know, and we'll pause the end time message. Don't, you don't have to up there, but for now, because we have our playground going in this week, uh, which most of it is all volunteer uh, labor. Uh, so I'm a little nervous, but uh, we'll just we'll just pray that it, it, it's what he wants. Uh, so anyway, if I call you guys midweek and say, help, <laughs> you know that I kicked him off the, pla- the, the, <laughs> the uh, property. Anyway, so that's that. Uh, and nonetheless, the Bobcat out here in the back with two augers, donated like the company's just letting us use it which is like a big deal um so it's going to be uh it's going to start this week to assemble the playground out here the mulch just the rubber mulch alone is another 2500 bucks right so it's just expensive and we're trying to do right by what god has given us um we need bathrooms uh, we need paint. We need a lot of things, right? Um, but we're trying to just take it in stride. Um, so anyway, I believe that the biggest thing that we can all do is pray. And just pray that God provides. Pr- 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 just pray that God works in the way that he wants to work. Um, so anyway, that being said, the blessing is uh, sound system. If you go back to that paper that I passed out to you, it was like a, I, I forget how much I wrote down there. It was like eight to $10,000 but cross that off for now, and so he's going to come in and help set it up and help us EQ it, but provide that for a year. Um, and then maybe even more things um, through my partnership with him that, that we can get, um, get some help on for our church plant. So just continue to pray. God's going to continue to provide like he already has. So we're really excited about that um, in, the, in the coming days. Um, and also, you know, you all have just been very faithful to give. And, and many of you are giving for the first time. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Uh, thank you for being faithful. Um, you know, I'm not, the, I'm not the guy who wants to stand up here and ask for money. I think you know that. That's just not my personality. I don't, I don't like doing that. Um, you know, I just, I pray and, and I just trust the Lord. And man, has he just met our needs in massive ways, so many times, um, just through the beginning of us starting this church. So I know he'll continue to do so, but I just want to thank you for, for being faithful. Um, I'll talk about the, the next one at the end of the message um, briefly before I go. So let's jump back in, uh, in time prophecy research series. Here's my declarations. Really, I was just stalling because I didn't want to give these. Here's where I stand. Four different things. Now, I, I want to say this, too. Because this is such a uh, kind of intense mental topic as far as, like, uh, once again, I've been struggling with my words lately, but it's more scholarly in, in the approach to studying eschatology or, or the study of end times. Don't feel bashful or afraid to raise your hand and ask a question. 
you know, I'll, I'm getting, I'll be getting with it here and there periodically throughout the message like I do. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, if you have a question or that, that's not clear or you, you want me to kind of reiterate or come at it from a different angle, feel free to raise your hand and ask a question, okay? Uh, and, and I probably won't have the answer and I'll ignore you. <laughs> anyway, no, just kidding. Uh, here's, my, here's my declarations. I need one more prayer. Father, we love you. Spirit, work through. Administer your word to us through your good graces in your son's name. Amen. Here's the declarations. I believe in the sudden, visible, bodily return of Christ. This is end times. What's going to happen? Things in the future. I believe that Jesus is going to visibly, bodily return for his church. Second declaration. I believe in the millennial reign of Christ on earth. While Satan is bound. That's my second declaration. Third, I believe in the judgment day. Strongly. And number four, I believe in a new heaven and new earth where we will be in community with God forever. So you can take those four things and cash that check all day long from Scripture and know that in the end, which is, you can kind of sum all that up, in the end, love wins. In the end, Jesus reigns forever. In the end, new heaven, new earth, continually reigning with Christ. Time is still there, but in a sense of everlasting. In a sense of eternity. In a perspective of never ending. So, how many of you would like your life right now to be the perspective of never ending? Oh no. How many want to fill eternity right now? In the terrible twos. I just want to fill eternity right now. God, why don't you just scratch my CD disc and, uh, uh, and just help me skip and skip and skip and skip and skip over and over and over while my twins are two. This is going to be perfect because every day I get to go to work and my wife has to stay home with the scratch disc. You know what I'm saying? If we said we're going to stop life and this is going to be the end of time and we're going to think about the words in times and we're going to experience time ending for forever, man, would that be depressing if it was right now. And I don't mean like my life is depressing, but you know what I mean. You get what I'm saying. We, We have this thing, this oppression called sin that we deal with. And I hope you're dealing with it as a church. I hope you're not just rolling over. Oh, it just, it's who we are, and, and I just have this problem. Pfft, come on, man. If you've trusted Jesus, and we've already had those past sermons that weren't recorded. No, I'm kidding. Uh, there's some that are on the, on the website. And jab, jab, right hook. Uh, but, but the point is, is we know that Jesus is the victor, and he can give you victory over your sin now. And so if you're just taking the passive approach, don't. Be aggressive towards taking your life back from the devil. Taking your life back as a child of wrath and applying yourself in the Spirit so that he can impute and give and work his righteousness in your life. But beyond that, it's a struggle. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's hard to, to get up and live the way we are supposed to live. So part of that is our perspective. Some of you are treating your life right now like it's the end time, but it's not. We are living in the last days, but not the last. 
We can't live right now as if Jesus has come back. And I think that there are some Christians that just say, oh, it's over. (laughs) The world's going to hell in a (laughs) handbasket. We've all heard it, right? My coffee's kicking in finally. Yes. Should have had it before worship. So the point is, 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 you know, we take this passive approach to life. The New Testament teaches, (laughs) Nate, the New Testament teaches the exact opposite. It's not passive, it's aggressive. And it's not passive-aggressive, you know what I'm saying. So the point is, is we, we cannot take this lying down. We cannot say, and you'll see where I'm, I'm going to get some of you th- today. I, I hope you love me now and everything like that. I hope you're prayed up because I'm coming for you in the sense that we're just not going to do it because he's coming back. Uh-uh. That's not the spirit of the New Testament or the Bible as a whole. So with those declarations, here's what we have to do. We have to make a connection. Pastor Matt, how did you come to that, those declarations that said Jesus is going to return and, and there's going to be a millennial reign? How many know what I mean when I say millennial reign? A few. So I believe that it's a literal 1,000 year period that Jesus will rule and reign on this earth. Okay, And that is while Satan is bound. So that the understood implication is if Satan is bound during the millennial reign and that's the future events... Is Satan bound right now? No. And that's where I have a problem with people who, who are amillennial, I would say, who don't believe in a millennium, because they're going to say he's bound. He's bound right now. I have a hard time wrapping my head around that because it really doesn't seem to me that he's bound. And if this is what bound is, I really don't know what it's going to be like when he's completely unleashed. Dave, do you think Satan's bound right now? No. He experiences and sees it every day at the basis of society. I just don't think so, and I don't see that in the text as I make the connection. So, go to 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Get ready to use your Bibles. Get ready. We're going to bounce around. We're going to make this connection. And then in the end, (laughs) the end time of this sermon, (laughs) I'm going to bring it home. All right? Hopefully, this connection, too, will also be sobering for some of you. While you're turning to 1 Thessalonians 4.16, let me help you with something. There are Christians that don't live in America. Do you guys know that? So that means that there are Christians that their everyday life looks much different than the way ours looks. Exactly. So, So think about the context of your faith right now. We view the context of our faith through our lens. Through, my goodness, my twins are two. This is so bad. Mm. I have to get up and go to... All right, I'm gonna, this, is, this voice isn't anybody. I'm just making a random voice, okay? I'm not making fun of anyone. But I, I got to get up and go to work this week. Life is horrible. I'm actually going to have to work to make money. Ugh. We, we are comparing ourselves with our lifestyles. And, and you have to just... You have to take a step back and and think to yourself, when it comes to the end time prophecy, others are looking at Jesus coming back from a completely different perspective than we are. So I hope to kind of make that connection for you today. Are yet 1 Thessalonians 4.16? Yes or no? Okay, good. 
I believe in the sudden visible bodily return of Christ. Why do I believe that? Because of this scripture verse. Here it is. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Okay, so I believe in the the visible bodily return of Christ. I believe in the visible bodily return of Christ going into the millennium. So many of you are going to have a snafu here because I don't believe that verse is necessarily talking about the rapture. Some of you, if you believe that, that's okay. If you believe in the rapture of the church pre-tribulation, uh, you make up a very small percentage of evangelicals. But that's okay. You can worship here and we can worship together. I'm just, I'm just telling you that I don't see a church rapture pre-tribulation 100% clear from Scripture. I think that it could go either way. So because of that, I'm, I'm going to say to you that when, when, I'm, when I'm saying that Jesus is coming back, what I'm referring to is the second coming of Christ. Because the first coming is what? Say it again. When he was born. That was the first advent. When Jesus came, lived life, died on the cross. Living now at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, I believe that he will literally return on earth visibly and bodily. And that is called the... Second return. So if you believe that the second him coming to get his bride, his church, he doesn't come all the way to earth and snatches the church up and goes back to heaven for seven years for a marriage supper of the Lamb while the earth is going through a seven-year tribulation period. If you believe that, I'm okay with that. It's, it's totally fine, but I'm going to leave that out because it's somewhat conjecture according to the text. But what is abundantly clear is that Jesus will come back a second time to earth, and it will be sudden, it will be visible, and it will be his return. Revelation 22, verse 20. Go there. Revelation 22, verse 20. How many have ever studied end-time prophecy? A few of you. Okay, cool. Revelation 22, verse 20 and 21. We see here at the end of the end of Revelation that it says, even so, Lord, come quickly. So look at these two verses. He which testifieth these things saith, surely I come. What's the next word? Quickly. And if you have another version, it's going to say something similar. Amen. Even so, come, Lord who? Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is the member of the Godhead that will visibly bodily return to earth and and at the end of john's revelation he says even so come what quickly the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all so to contrast these two verses we have a sudden return a shout a a trump of god dead in christ rising uh, then we which are alive and remain, we are caught up. And, and then the end of Revelation brings the fact that it's even so quickly, in other words, John, in his moment of tribulation, John seventeen thirty three, ye will have tribulation world. John, the, the, the author of John wrote John, and he wrote Revelation, right? So have the understanding that the same John who wrote the book of John, one of the Gospels who said, you are going to go through tribulation, was going through tribulation when he wrote Revelation, right? So he was exiled to an island, the island of Patmos, where he received visions. He saw things. That's, that's the, the context of Revelation, is he was writing as he was seeing 
right? He was seeing these visions. So the understanding that John has is that I want this to happen what? Now. So for, for many of you that think that there are things that need to be done for him to come back, does the New Testament teach us that? Yes or no? No. Why? Because John said, come quickly. Come now. Everything that, that has, has needed to be done is done, and we're ready for your what? Return. Why are they so eager? Why, why, why are they ready for this? Because of what they were going through. Listen to this, church. Here's what I think doesn't make sense. In light of John saying, come quickly, in light of 1 Thessalonians saying, he's going to come back visibly, bodily, imminently, it's going to happen. I don't think it makes sense. We will not go through persecution. It doesn't make sense to say this. We will not go through great persecution because Jesus is going to come back. Here's a slap in the face to all of those who've suffered, all the martyrs that have lost their lives before us. It's a slap in the face for us to say, thinking about the tribulation, because you just watched the Left Behind series, and if Kirk Cameron says it, it must be true. <laughs> uh, so the point is, is I plugged the video in, and I'm watching this Left Behind series, and, and I'm filled with fear, and I'm filled with guilt because of how I'm living, and I'm looking at this series, and he basically says that Jesus is going to come back and we're all going to disappear up out of here and then the world's going to go through mayhem. And thank God I'm going to be up here watching all that chaos, watching all that craziness. Here's why I think that's, whether that happens or not, why I think that's the wrong mindset because of the New Testament. Because John wasn't saying, I'm going to get snatched up out of here while the world's going through all this chaos. John was saying, Lord, bring your kingdom. Lord, come. Why was he saying that? Because he was going through horrible persecution. For us to say, I'm going to be gone, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you have the right perspective. And what I'm saying is the wrong perspective is we're not going to go through those crazy things. When we say things like we're not going to go through great tribulation, God's going to spare us from that, it's a slap in the face to every Christian who's been beheaded. It's a slap in the face to every father and mother who have watched their child die in front of them for their cause of their faith. Do you think that's great tribulation to them? Yes or no? Do you think it's great tribulation when you watch your children being burned right in front of you because of your faith in the gospel? We're Americans. We have modernized and Americanized our end-time eschatology. And we think, we're not going to go through that. Thank the Lord. He's going to come back. He's going to take us up to heaven. And we're not going to have to go through none of that. I don't believe it. Why do I not believe that? Because Christians are going through it right now. I think it's wrong to say that. Wrong perspective. 1 Peter 4.16. Pastor Matt, I think you're out of line. I don't think that's a great statement. All right, let's let Peter tell you. The man who was hung upside down on a cross and crucified. Here's his, here's his scripture. Yet if a man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God on this behalf. Said a man who died upside down on a cross within the first century of our Lord. Church, it's the wrong attitude for us to say, the Lord's going to come back. All the world's going to burn. We're not going to have to go through that. Said every first century Christian, not. We've got to have the right perspective, church, when it comes to end time prophecy. Every month, you ready? Every month, 255 Christians are killed. Every month. Now, 
2018, 2018 statistics, 104 of them are abducted. 180 Christian women are raped, sexually harassed, or forced into marriage against their will. Today, 2018. 66 churches every month are attacked. 160 Christians are detained without trial and imprisoned. Every year, we release the World Watch List, a global indicator of countries where human and religious rights are being violated. And those countries most vulnerable to social... uh, to societal unrest and destabilization. This is the 26th year of the Open Doors World Watch List. Open Doors World Watch List, that's where you get this information. And it remains the only annual in-depth survey to rank the 50 most difficult countries in which it is to be a Christian. According to their research, 215 million Christians experience high levels of persecution in the countries on the World Watch List. This represents 1 in 12 Christians Worldwide. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three, four, five, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three. Four over here have just lost their lives. One in twelve suffer that persecution. Watch today. We're insulated. Our our <laughs> The worship was too loud. Something was going wrong with his guitar. That's our trouble. They didn't have one donut I liked in the coffee area. (laughs) We got to kick that Cooper coffee to the curb. You know, it's horrible. You know, I love it. That's That's our problem. It makes me want to curse. What the heck is wrong with us? Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, North Korea is ranked number one for the 17th consecutive year as the most dangerous country for Christians. During the World Watch List in 2018, 3,066 Christians were killed. 1,252 were abducted. 1,020 were raped or sexually harassed. And 793 churches were attacked. Islamic oppression fuels persecution in eight of the top ten countries. Eight of the top ten on that watch list is fueled by Islamic oppression. When the church goes through persecution, the longing becomes more. Why does it make sense what, Paul, what Peter said, excuse me, when he said, let them not be ashamed, but let them glory on God's behalf? Why does it say that? Because when the church goes through persecution, the longing becomes more. Now let's put that context in the passages that we read about Jesus appearing. About even so, Lord, come quickly. What is the spirit in which they are riding? They're being what? Persecuted. Jesus does not tell us when he will come so that we will be engaged in the work that he has called us to do. And all evangelicals believe in the same end result. Matthew twenty four forty four. We must be ready. The Son of Man is coming. The Bible says, Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as ye think, as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. We have to look at these scriptures from the backdrop of what these men were going through, what these women were going through, and what others are going through in the church even still today. It's unlikely that Jesus will come today, but it's possible. 
Increased suffering. Jewish conversion is on the rise. We look at these signs and from the Bible we think, oh, he's going to come. Oh, it's going to happen. But sadly, the American says, oh, I hope he doesn't come today because I still want to get that promotion. Or because I'm engaged and I want to be married. I still want to raise my children. What about all those that are bunkered down in some hole somewhere for their faith? And they're saying, even so, Lord, come quickly. Why? Because the trying of their faith worketh patience. I believe that in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were closest to God than anyone, right? Because there was a fourth man in the fire. When we go through the trials and the, and the fiery furnaces of life, we have our Savior by our side. Peter said, on that behalf, count it all joy. Paul, I count it all joy to go through these things. James, the same thing. Why? All these men suffered incredible persecution. So when we talk about end-time prophecy, I want to set that stage. Nine times out of ten, when evangelicals talk about end-time prophecy, it ends in arguing. That's not what it means. That's not what it says there. He's not coming back literally. He's going to do that. <laughs> and you got Christians sitting in a jail cell saying, I don't really care. Just even so, Come. Just return. Show yourself strong for who you are because, because God, what I have in my, in my heart is the Holy Spirit of God sealing me. He's sealing me. He's holding me. He's keeping me until the day of redemption. And I just cannot wait for His glorious appearing. And if you're going to put me through suffering, I'll count it all joy. Even so, come. We talked about hell last week, how it is the restitution how we know the wrongs will be made right. But what about our perspective towards end-time prophecy, towards that coming about? Church, we have to see this from a different perspective. Let me talk about the millennium. How do I connect the millennium? There are a few of those that, who says it doesn't exist. We're in the millennium now. There are those that say Christ will come back after the millennium, and the kingdom of God will continue to build and spread. What I subscribe to is I'm pre-millennial, I believe Christ will come back before the millennium, and he will establish, if you've never heard this teaching, which I think was only like five of you that raised your hand, think about this. When all of these martyrs, when all these people that are persecuted, when the church as a whole says, even so, Lord, come quickly, what are we saying he's coming for? What do we believe is going to happen next? How many want to know? Three of you. Man, all right, I'm going to preach a different sermon, okay? I'm just going to change real quick. (laughs) How many of you are intrigued about what's going to happen next in the world? All right, that's what I thought. Okay, all right. Makes me feel a little better. I'm not expecting you to, you know, I mean, I'm going to take a week off work because I'm, I'm going to study end-time prophecy because I really am anxious about what's going to happen. I'm not expecting you to do that, but some of you really need to pick up your Bibles and read. Because here's the truth. Cast all your anxiety or your care upon him, for he what? careth for you, the Bible says that. How can he say that? Because the end of the game is set match. Game set match. If we know that Jesus wins, if we know that he's coming back to a millennial reign, then that makes today a little easier to go through. Then that makes it easier to look towards the eastern sky and say, 
even so, Lord, come. But here's the problem. We don't know. We don't believe it. And so, therefore, we don't know. We don't believe it. We're not claiming those promises. We sang about it. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. All right, name me three promises from the Word of God. Ready to go. Uh, I know you could. We don't know. I feel really good in church. <laughs> That's why I come. I feel good. Makes me feel good. And the coffee's okay. I'm just picking on you today. Once again, the average Christian, there's no substance. Why would we even talk about the millennial reign of Christ? Where does that fit in? <laughs> Did that happen already? Because <laughs> we've been here for more than a thousand years. The point of you having an understanding of this is so that you can stand on it. Get it? Got it good? We can stand on the future of the end times. So if this is a thousand literal reign, I find that from Revelation 20, verse 4. I find that those that are killed during the great tribulation, uh, and then Satan being bound... But then he'll be loosed and gather those that, are, uh, that still have unbelief in their heart for a final battle at the end of the millennium and that Christ will win. Isaiah 65 verse 20. If some of you have ever read through the Bible and you get to Isaiah 65, it's like, man, there's some really interesting wording in there. Let's, let's go there really quick. Isaiah 65 verse 20. I want to read it with you. Oh, man, I opened up the wrong app. Here we go. Isaiah 65, verse 20, the one verse I didn't paste in. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die an hundred years old, but the sinner, being an hundred years old, shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and eat of the fruit of them. They shall not build and and, and another uh, inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as many of these days of the tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Keep going. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord." And their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Check this out. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And the dust shall be the serpent's belly. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. How many want to live in a day like that? Where I'm going to build a house and I'm going to inhabit it. I'm going to plant something and I'm going to reap what I planted. The lion is going to lay down with the lamb. And the baby, it's a hundred days. I'm sorry, a hundred years old. In other words, what, what Isaiah is saying, there is no time that is being measured by young and old. What does that mean? They're not dying. They're living, they're, they're living that thousand years. They're untouched. The wicked have wicked in their hearts. But it is not a visible outshowing of that wickedness. What does this mean? It means that when Jesus comes back, he establishes, Revelation 20, a thousand years on this earth that he is going to rule and reign. And through that ruling and reigning, the wickedness is kept to their hearts. And on the outward, everything we do is blessed. 
We're living, we're promised three score and ten, not even promised, right? Seventy years. Imagine if that seventy years was a thousand. That is just around the river bend. <laughs> you can tell I have kids. It's right around the corner. And when Jesus comes back, I know I'm corny as anything, yeah. But the point is, is when we say, even so, Lord, come, here's what you're saying. Bring about your what? Kingdom. Say kingdom, church. You mean like Jehovah Witness? No. No. That is some crazy end time prophecy. And scripture is nowhere in it. They can like take one verse over here, see what that means. I felt I had one come to my door, what was it, yesterday? And uh, I mean, it's just kind of weird, you know what I mean? I get these weird vibes from people. You ever get weird vibes? But he's like, you know, knocking on the door. My dog, you know. And I have a mail slot on my door that I just open. (laughs) Because if there's anything, because I don't have a storm door. My house is still under construction. Uh, My wife loves me so much. Uh, But no storm door, so it's just the door. And, you know, they're standing there thinking, oh, my goodness. Thank God there's a door between me and this vicious dog. You know, big German Shepherd, that's our dog, right? And she's, it's not like she's got rabies or something. And then I'm standing there and I'm like, I lift the mail slot. <laughs> so just when he thought he couldn't get any closer, the sound is like right here, whoa, you know, <laughs> mail slot. <laughs> <And> they, <sighs> anyway, I love my mail slot. So anyway, I step, step back and I step outside and I'm like, hey man, how you doing? Doing great, just want to invite you, you know. And then I had that just. Dis- well, I had that moment. My father-in-law was like, did you witness to him? I'm like, no. Because it always turns into like an hour and a half. And I'm like ready to throw down. You know, I'm like, what do you do with Revelation 20? What do you do with Isaiah 65? The 144,000 that it talks about in Revelation are all male Jewish versions. Virgins. You don't look like any one of those. <laughs> you know, so uh, we've studied the Bible just a little bit. So I, I have fun with them. But the sad thing is, they are just all screwed up in order, in beliefs, in time. And they're wor- here's the worst thing about the whole thing is that they're going door to door to door to earn their spot in paradise. That's the worst part about the whole thing. I'm, I'm showing you a Bible that says that we couldn't earn and Jesus earned it for us. I'm showing you a period of time that says you're going to go through some things because Jesus went through the worst of things. If, if we suffer for the sake of the gospel, we're suffering because he already suffered. And this is a picture of what he went through. And I'm now seated with him. So the world doesn't understand it. And so what he's saying is when I come back and I bring a thousand year kingdom on the earth, it's going to be all wrongs right. Green light for righteousness everywhere. Imagine what YouTube is going to be like during the kingdom. There is no safe search filter needed on Google. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? This is what we should be looking for. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Somebody start it. Slow down. Stop. You ever thought about that? What does that mean? 1,000 years, Revelation 20, of him bringing his kingdom on earth. Thy kingdom come, finish it. A literal bodily return on earth as it already is in heaven? You're, you mean you're going to bring your kingdom? That's what it means. How many knew that? Now you can pray it and go, 
Our Father, whoa, 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 which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy name. At thy name. Every niche about. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom. The future. Thy will on earth as it is in heaven. I also believe in a final judgment. Acts 17 says that he will judge the world in righteousness. Revelation 21.11 says people, uh, the books of people's lives that they are judged by will happen at the final judgment. After the millennium and the final rebellion. Stay with me. I'm going to bring it all together. Jesus will be the judge. The man who has been appointed. Acts 17, Paul talks about a man that was appointed to judge. That is Jesus, the judge of all judges. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says Christians will be judged. We must appear before the judgment seat, the Bema seat, as some call it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.3 says that even angels will be judged. Angels will be judged as a like performance review, right? Because they're employees of heaven. They are messengers of God. We are not. We are in a relationship with God. We have been saved and given back to God as his children, But his hired servants, not hired, but paid and bought and made and created, they'll stand before God as well. I believe that you could easily say that there will be one judgment. Even though many separate them into three, I could could very easily see that when Jesus brings about his kingdom, there's a thousand years on the earth where it's uh, God tube. YouTube will go away. God tube will be the main thing all the time. (laughs) And and, one thousand years happens. At the end of the one thousand years, the Bible says Satan is loosed. And all that were in subject to Christ's rule and reign that had rebellion still in their hearts will side with the dragon, will side with the devil, and there will be one last battle. This is like Game of Thrones biblically, right? The point is, is that everyone in their hearts who were not saved will side with the devil. So if you think about it from a like, you know, movie perspective, he's ruling and reigning. And once Satan is loosed, everyone in his kingdom that was doing it for eye service for the wrong reasons, we'll just go to that side. The goats. And then the sheep will remain. One final battle, the battle of Armageddon. At that point, the the judgment day will begin. Those that were killed in that battle, the Bible says the dead will be brought up and sentenced to everlasting punishment. And that's where hell comes in. So they, that, uh, they that, that die are judged and sentenced at the, at the great white throne judgment to eternal damnation and eternal fire. That's when that happens. After that judgment happens, Christians are then rewarded for their behavior that was done in Christ. And I believe this, a new heaven and a new earth will be established. Isaiah 65, 17, that same passage, the Bible talks about... Uh, the, 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 Bible being, the Bible talks about heaven being renovated, the earth being renovated. And when John explains this in his vision, what does he say? He sees heaven, the new Jerusalem, what? Coming down. So that's why I believe that the millennial reign of Christ, that final battle, clearing off, judgment day happening, all being sentenced to death, then heaven comes down to earth. And that's why I believe in a new heaven and a new earth. Second Peter 3.13, Revelation 21. Here's some misconceptions as we bring it home. Stay with me, church. Heaven is a place, not just a state of mind. A lot of of false teaching circulating. Why, Why wouldn't there be, right? If Satan can confuse, 
if the false prophet can, can cause disillusionment within the church, then he's won, right? So, so why wouldn't there be this idea that heaven is just a state of mind? We have to fight against that. Heaven is a place. Jesus is there now, sitting on the right hand of the Father. The Father remains. Heaven is where the Father is. That is his place. MTV Cribs, go to heaven, and it would be God the Father walking you around. I love the spot right here. You know what I'm saying? Just to give you the understanding, just to give you the understanding of whose house it is. In my, John 14, in my Father's house. Do you understand? That's why I think part of it, partly the church doesn't get it because we haven't applied it. You have to think, heaven is the Father's crib. And the Son is seated there on the right hand. Jesus comes down, establishes His kingdom. Make sense? From that kingdom, a thousand years purges through a rebellion at the end. And then the Father says, good job, Son. We're going to bring this house down to yours. New heaven, new earth. The new Jerusalem comes down. In the book of Revelation chapter 20, 21, excuse me, the dimensions are set. It tells it gives 12 uh, types of stone and 12 layers and all these crazy things and the, and the specific measurements. It's pretty awesome, right? That's what we have to look forward to. But it's not, when, when we think, when we die and we go to heaven, if you die now, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Your soul is there. It is in the Father's house. And, and Revelation describes uh, martyred servants standing at the throne saying, glory, 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 waiting for Jesus to come. Why? Because when he establishes his kingdom, that resurrection, the dead in Christ will what? Rise. So imagine right now in heaven, there are hundreds of millions of souls waiting to get their body back. Their glorified body. And when Jesus comes in his second advent, his second coming, the dead in Christ rise. We which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them. So think about how this all works. Heaven is there. So the Father is going to spend a thousand years in heaven. But remember what the Bible says about a thousand years in heaven. It's as a day, right, on earth. So he's going to be up in heaven watching this ruling and reigning happen, watching Jesus clear house doing his thing, and then afterwards, after the end times, the new heaven and new earth, the new Jerusalem, heaven is going to come down. The physical creation will be renewed. Where else is this found? Romans 8, 19 through 21. Let me, let me read you that one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get to the end, the application. Romans 8, verses 19 through 21, if you want to see it. That air feels good. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who is subject, who is subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be, what is it? Delivered. From the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The creature will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Sin, death, hath no more power over, but we're waiting for Jesus to come. The physical creation will be renewed. Watch this. The beauty and perfection of the Garden of Eden will be restored. How it was first meant to be. The Garden of Eden will come, watch this, because the Garden of Gethsemane came. Restoration will happen because the Garden of Eden perfection was restored by the great drops of blood that our Savior shed for us. The two contrasts, 
The Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane will bring about the new heaven and new earth, and that garden will be restored. Our resurrected bodies, the Bible says, will be like Jesus's. It's crazy going to be crazy. This is like some kind of crazy Marvel movie. I am in it. And we play, if you're a saved child of God, you play a starring role. We'll be ruling and reigning with Christ. So, what does this mean? Number one, our motivation should be focused on the promises of God for the coming kingdom. How are you going to face tomorrow? Because I know who holds tomorrow. 1 Corinthians 2.9, but as it is written, I have not seen. Here's what I'm about to do. I'm about to do a dance. I have not seen nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Church, you have no idea. I have no idea how amazing it's going to be. I have no idea. Matthew 6, 19 through 17. Think about this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in... Is this making more sense? Why? Where neither moth nor rust doth destroy or thieves break through. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so your eye is, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Watch this. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. That's the same passage. The second thing, we will be in the presence of God forever. Psalm 16, 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. You, you need to put this verse like all over your house. Put it on your rearview mirror in your car. Put it on your visor. Get it tattooed on your arm. Who wants to go with me this week? We'll, we'll get it done. Rob, you in? You down? Michelle's been begging me. We'll go. This is going to be the verse. Psalm 1611. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Revelation 22, 3-5. Think, think about this. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb of God shall be in it, And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on the foreheads, and there shall be no no more night there. And they need no candle, neither, neither the light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign with him forever and ever. Our motivation should be focused on the promise of God for the coming kingdom. And we're going to be in the presence of God forever. Church, I hoped to, I hoped today would bring you some substance to your promise. I hope that your hope is encouraged. When you think about Jesus establishing his kingdom, when you think about him winning the final battle, when you think about the Father bringing the new Jerusalem to earth and it being fully restored to an incredible place, it makes tomorrow easier. Every, I, was, I was kind of doing some studying with a, a friend of mine and reading some things this week. Just about every gospel writer 
teaches in, in his book, in the New Testament, that we are going to endure suffering. It's just going to happen. It's inevitable. You think about, you get on Instagram and hashtag prepper, right? Hashtag off grid or whatever. And you search and you see all these people preparing for what? The end of the world. How do you prep? How do you prep as a Christian? What do you stockpile? What do you, what do you put where? How do you determine how much? Lay up for yourselves treasures in where no moth or rust doth corrupt. Is that my phone? Good heavens. Silence that thing. It's my iPad. That's Satan right there, friend. Church, can you see where we've missed it a little bit? Can you see that? I know I've missed it. I'm guilty of it. The devil is so good at diversion. These are not the droids you're looking for. Okay, pretty car. (laughs) Fancy house. Nice boat. Nice college. Good education. (laughs) 401k. What What else can I find and get into? This is fun. Life's cool. Disaster happens. I lost it all. What do you have? Depression. Right? Anxiety. What if I did heaven? I'm going to invest there. I'm going I'm to put all my treasure in Him. How do I do that? Let me tell you about the kingdom of God. How many parables did Jesus did, did Jesus tell about the kingdom, right? But let, let, are you hungry? Can I give you food? Can I, can I help you? Can I serve you? Do you know why I do that? Because that's what Jesus did for me. And in his kingdom, the greatest are the least. If I want to be great and much in the kingdom, then I just want to get down on the least level. Not, I'm not saying you're least, you know what I mean? I just mean I want to meet your needs. I want to be there for you. I want to love you. Can I pray for you? Is there something I can do for you? What are we doing? Church, we're depositing. We're depositing in heaven. They that turn many, Daniel 12, 3. They that turn many to righteousness will shine as the brightness of the firmament. Who's going to be the brightest? Who's going to be the brightest light? Those that are reflecting Jesus the most. I don't know. I'm just trying to just bring this applicably to your hearts today and just say to you, it is not about this world. It's just not. It's not about this kingdom. It's about the one that's coming. You can work as hard as you want. You can save as much as you want. You can put as much money in the bank as you want. And if that's the end result of your happiness then you're not going to be happy. That's why I talk about a kingdom mentality. We bought that book, Kingdom Marriage. We haven't read it yet, but we're going to. We have to live for the next life. Why would I save money? Why would I save money? 
I would save money. I would get out of debt so that I could be spontaneous in my love, so that I could be spontaneous in my service, so that I could lay up treasures in heaven. I'm just trying to give you a practical application here before we shut it down. Do you understand what I'm saying? When the the Bible says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, it's in the context where he says, you can't serve God in money. So here's what it is. Serve God through your money. Does that make sense? That's that's an illustration that we all understand. We all get money. Why? Because we work 40 hours and we get paid according to our time. So if, if we can say, I know this sounds crazy. My wife and I have been talking about this a lot. How do we get out of debt? How do we own everything we have, which means God owns it, right? So that what we have, we can put into play for the kingdom of God immediately. So many people are locked down in financial debt, right? I mean, what do you have? You have like, what, 5% of your income? I can be super generous with 5%. Here you go, God. Because the borrower is servant to the lender. Make sense? Who, whose kingdom are you living for? Are you on lockdown to things that are going to break through, steal, rust? Just put it in two categories. Am I depositing my finances, my life, what I've worked for into his kingdom? Or has Satan worked my life so that all my resources are tied up over here with things that don't matter? That's a great way of looking at it. So that's why we have been challenged to getting out of debt. So as of September, whatever, when we go through this next trip, just to be transparent with you, no more credit card debt. None. We don't need it. So, so credit card debt done. Now, I mean, this is like Dave Ramsey financial piece, right? Now cars, now house, now... But that's a kingdom perspective. Does that make sense? Your time... I need me time. I gotta, I gotta, right? And I get that, trust me. But we have to look at it from a holistic perspective. How do you feel refreshed? Trust me. Put it into the kingdom. Raise your children for the kingdom. Does that make sense? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us. The truths of your word are rich. They're eternal. They're never ending. And Father, I pray that they would just bring great peace, great love today into the hearts of the believers that are here. Encourage those, Father, that are not with us. May they feel your love today. Church, as we just kind of do a little bit of heart work this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want you to live for the kingdom. That's all. Make deposits into that kingdom.